In Jesus' life and ministry, he did many things, some ordinary and some miraculous. In fact, John, one of Jesus' disciples, describes the miraculous as signs. In scripture, signs always have a purpose. They point. Jesus' miracles always pointed. They pointed to who he is and why he came to earth. This Lenten season, join Vintage Church as we study these signs to discover what they reveal to us about Jesus' identity. going John chapter 9 if you don't have a Bible our connect team is there they have some copies uh, out in the lobby if you're interested there again English and Spanish but John chapter 9 we are going through the seven signs of John's gospel I love uh, the book the gospel of John for a lot of reasons one reason though in particular is how he structures his gospel especially with these sign discourses narrative and this kind of kind of sign structure and what's even greater about the gospel of John is when he's using these signs so when he's talking about a sign he's really talking about a miracle but he's saying it's not just a miracle in and of itself but he's including these specific miracles and he calls them signs because as Dustin has really kind of helped us see this truth is that a sign points to something greater than it's a sign is actually meant to point us to something else. And so as John is recording these narratives, he's not just recording the miracles just so that we're seeing something cool that Jesus is doing. No, he's saying, I want you to, to, to plant down here. I want you to see something. I want you to see that this sign is actually pointing to something greater about who Jesus is. And what's great about John is if you jump to the end of his gospel, he actually lays out the whole reason for why he does this. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And so before, as we kind of dive into the, the, the signs of John's gospel, we always have to go back to John chapter 20. We always have to go back and see exactly why he does it. So if you go into John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So all of these miracles, he, he did a lot more, but he John has intentionally included these signs. Why? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so these signs specifically, these narratives specifically are intentionally included in the Gospel of John, not just so that we see that Jesus is a miracle worker or anything like that, but because they are intended to teach us about something about his person. They are intended to teach us something about who he is and what he has come to do. And in that we come to John chapter 9. The sign happens very early on, but we're actually going to look at the whole chapter because in the Gospel of John, we have what's called a sign discourse structure. What that means is Jesus performs a sign, and then either immediately following or soon after that, there's kind of an extended dialogue or discourse that actually explains what the sign is actually teaching us. So, we're going to look at the entire gospel, uh, entire, not the entire gospel, entire chapter 9 of John's gospel. And right now I've got 30 minutes and 22 seconds. And so we are going to fly. So everybody, I need you to do something real quick. Can you just put your right hand up just like this? Put it on your left shoulder. Pull it across to your right hip. Say click. 
you're buckled up because we are about to get going, okay? So John chapter 9. The first thing, there's five things that I kind of want you to see as we move through this whole narrative uh, as we kind of just look at each individual scene. So first, I want you to see the sign, okay? Beginning here in John chapter 9, it says, As he passed by, he is Jesus. Woo, that's good. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. This is actually kind of a, it was a normal cultural belief back in the day that if somebody was born and, and, and they had some deformity or, they, or they, they, they had some handicap or they had something that they weren't whole, and so in this way that this man was born blind, he couldn't see, and so his, his eyes didn't function the way they were intended to function, then it was a belief in this culture that it was because either his parents sinned or there was a generational sin or this person sinned or something like this. So this is, this is just kind of a cultural belief. I point that out because it'll come up again later. The disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Verse 3 is super important, okay? Verse 3 is super important. Jesus answered, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All right? Sidebar, this is this you can just this is for free. This is not anything that's actually going to like super change the way we're talking about this narrative, change this the way we're talking about this uh, this sermon today. This is just a sidebar, okay? It does not matter what situation you find your, yourself in. If today, brother and sister in Christ, you are in a situation that does not seem good, if you're in a situation that feels like a storm, do not think that God is not there and that God is, does not love you and that God cannot work. This man is born blind. Why? For the purpose that the works of God may be shown through him. What the world is seeing is, hey, why is this man sinned? Jesus said, no, this is not a result of sin. This is so that the work of God may actually be displayed in him in a way that it could not have been without his blindness. Brother and sister in Christ, no matter your situation this morning, God is still at work. God is still on the throne, and that is just for free. Okay, That is just there for you. If you like that, y'all about to love this. Okay, so verse 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Verse 5, also super important. As long as I am in the world, again, this is Jesus speaking, I am the light of the world. In chapter 8, he just introduced this. You see, John loves sevens. So we have the seven signs of John's gospel. We have the seven I am statements that kind of teach us about who Jesus is. In chapter 8, he just introduced, I am the light of the world. So he's playing off of right what happened uh, in the gospel just before. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, now we finally get into the actual miracle. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. See the sign. But again, the miracle is not the meaning in itself. The miracle actually points to something greater. It's a sign. It points to who Jesus is. So right here early on by verse 7, the, the, the miracle's already been complete. But what does it actually mean? Why is it included? That's why we look at the rest of the chapter. See the sign. Second, I want you to see the confusion. Everybody say, see the confusion. Keep going in verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Someone said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. 
He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to him, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. He said, I don't know how it happened. Just did what he said. And now I'm seeing. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. These verses really just kind of are acting as a recap of the sign that's just happened. When we get into 13, we start to see a lot of the confusion, not about what's happened, but about who Jesus is. So in, chapter, in verse 13 from the rest, we have a lot of different individual dialogues that actually become super important to teach us about what Jesus is actually wanting to teach us. In verse 13, the man has his first encounter with the group of Pharisees. He's going to have a second one later on. But this is the man's first encounter with a group of Pharisees in verse 13. I want you to see the confusion because there's division based on Jesus working this sign about who he is. He says, They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Again, very important. I'm just going to kind of hit you some markers along the way. This is important. That's important. Verse 14, very important. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So verse 15, So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. This is where you start to see the confusion come in. Who is this man, Jesus? Verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He's a sinner. Others among them, though, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. In verse 17, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Your testimony is important. He said, he's, he's a prophet. See the confusion. You see, this whole narrative is here to teach us about who Jesus is. So in these verses 13 to 17, this question is already, John proposes this question through the confusion of the Pharisees and of the man. He already starts to kind of put it in. He's like, hey, right here with this sign, kind of what's going alongside it is it's not just what's happened, but like, who is this man Jesus? Who is this man Jesus? Who is this man Jesus? And, and this is anticipated in this first little dialogue, and it doesn't come to a full answer until the very end. But he starts just giving you a little taste. Even the people inside the narrative didn't really know. The Pharisees, part of them said he was a sinner. Part of them said, yeah, but if he's a sinner, how does he do such signs? And the man, a far cry from calling him a sinner, just like, ah, he's a prophet. Doesn't say he's actually fully set apart like we would want to say Jesus is fully set apart. A prophet in the Israelite culture, yes, was someone who was set apart, but there were many prophets who had come before him. So this is a far cry from saying Jesus is, you know, what we would say today, the Son of God. There's a division and a confusion about who Jesus is. See the confusion. Verse 18, see the denial. See the denial. There's a couple of different things that are denied in this group of verses. So the Jews, they hear the man's testimony, but they're like, you know, are you, were you really blind? Were you really blind and now you can see? That, that just doesn't seem like something that's happened. So let's go talk to your mama and your daddy. So the Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So the first thing to deny is the man's testimony. He, 
He's over here saying he was blind and conceived. There ain't no way he's telling the truth. He is on something. Let's go talk to his parents. Verse 19, and they asked, is this your son who, was, uh, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Verse 20, his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak of himself. His parents are like, yeah, we, we, can, we can confirm that this is our son. I'm glad they know that. <laughs> you know, this is our son. We can, conform that, uh, we can confirm that he was born blind. Yep, we can confirm that, yep, he now sees. How, though, I have no idea. Why don't you go ask him? He's of age. He can speak for himself. Ask him again. And verse 22 is actually pivotal for this narrative. It says, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So here's, 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 here's the scene. The Jews like, look, man, you, you couldn't have been blind and now you see. So they're going to deny that testimony. Let's go confirm this with his parents. They go over here and talk to his parents. His parents are like, yeah, no, that's him. He, he was blind and he sees, but we don't really know. Why don't you, why don't you go back and talk to him again? See, the, the parents put the, the responsibility back on the man to actually confirm his testimony because they don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. See, the first thing that the Jews deny is the man's testimony. But more importantly is before the narrative even happens, before Jesus ever even heals the man, they have denied that the testimony about Jesus being the Christ is false. They've already denied it. Because there's this context that's surrounding the passage that whoever confesses Jesus as the Christ, is disfellowship from us. He is cast out of the synagogue. He is excommunicated. And in the synagogue of where you can worship rightly, where you are to come and experience God, where you are to come and offer sacrifice, this is their avenue for a right relationship with God. And what the Jews right here are saying, what the Pharisees are saying, for those who confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, you do not worship the God that we worship. That's a big statement. See that they deny the man's testimony, but way more important, before Jesus even makes him to see they've denied who Jesus is this is super important because this is the whole context that frames the whole narrative therefore his parents said because they don't want to be kicked out, because they don't want to be cast out, because they don't want to disfellowship, because they don't want to have access to worship. He is of age, ask him. See the denial. Fourthly, see the confessions. Yes, plural. See the confessions. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. They said, all right, well, his parents didn't really help us out. Let's talk to him again. And said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, this is not an encouragement. This is actually a rebuke of the man. They're saying, hey, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. 
We know that Jesus is a sinner. And so if you're testifying something good about Jesus, if you're testifying that he's a prophet or, or, or he's, something, he's something that he's not, you need to give glory to God. You need to recant your testimony. You need to stop saying the things that you're saying. Stop giving these, this, 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 this good press, this good PR to Jesus. You need to stop it. You need to recant. You need to repent and give glory to God. Do not give glory to Jesus. You need to give glory to God. Recant your testimony. And verse 25 becomes very pivotal. I know I say there's a lot of things that are super pivotal, but there are in this passage. Verse 25. This is the man's first confession. He's the beginning of his confession. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said, give glory to God. He's a sinner. Recant your testimony. He says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Because I don't know if he's a sinner or not. But one thing I do know is just a few hours ago, I couldn't see nothing. And now I'm seeing everything. I'm starting to see a lot of things a lot more clearly. He said, one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Something I want to just put out there on the table. We're going to leave it there. And we're going to put it in our back pocket. And we're going to pick it up later. Up until verse 25, up until this first confession, the man has, even after he was healed of his physical blindness, the man was continually referred to as the man who had been born blind. Even after he was healed. Look at verse 24. He was healed all the way back in verse 6, verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. Continually, blindness was part of his reference. But beginning with the beginning of his confession in verse 25, he's simply just the man. Leave that on the table. We're going to pick it up later. Keep going. They kind of keep coming at him. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Like, yeah, you... You're, all right, you're going to stand firm on your testimony, but this doesn't make sense. And he just starts to get really aggravated. You know, you know those people that just won't listen? You know, it don't matter how many times you tell them. It doesn't matter how many times you give them a story. They just, they just, won't seem, they just don't seem to listen. He's like, all right, look, you're not going to listen. Then I'm going to lay it out for you really clearly. And then he kind of just gives them like a, mm, like a little jab. He says, look at this, verse, verse 27. He answered them, I've told you already. I've told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Here's the jab. Do you also want to become his disciples? Ooh, snap. Come on, man. We don't know his name, so I got to call him man. Come on, man. He said, I've told you over and over and over and over. Why, why are you so interested? Do you want to become his disciples? Do you want to follow him? Mm, they don't like this. Verse 28, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. See their confession. See, they intentionally pit Moses and Jesus against one another. We are not a disciple of Jesus. No, no, that man's a sinner. We're a disciple of Moses. Why? Because Moses has given us the law. Moses, we know God spoke to him. We know where Moses comes from. We don't even know where this guy comes from. He's a loony. 
We are disciples of Moses. See, see what's happening here. Look, the Pharisees did not have a problem with the healing. They had a problem that the healing happened on the Sabbath. Verse 14. I told you it's important. We're going to come back to that. Verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. See, they are confessing. No, we're disciples of Moses. We're not disciples of Jesus. And they put them as polar opposites. And they're saying, look, Moses is the lawgiver. Moses has given us the rules from which we are to live. And part of that rule, part of the ceremonial rule, is that we are to keep the Sabbath. And so if Jesus, it don't matter what he does, if he doesn't, he breaks the Sabbath. Nope. That man's a sinner. We are disciples of Moses. See the boundaries that they draw in the comfort of their tradition. It doesn't matter what has happened right in front of their eyes. We are disciples of Moses. We know where he comes from. Well, then the man just keeps jabbing. Man, just Evander Holyfield and these people. Just like, your account makes zero sense. Look at verse 30. The man answered, wow, this is an amazing thing. There's a lot of sarcasm there too. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. He just kind of keeps putting it back on actually what's happened. He's opened my eyes. He's opened my eyes, opened my eyes. It's almost like he's saying, why don't you open yours? And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. You say he's a sinner. You think if it was actually a sin for him to heal on the Sabbath, you think it probably wouldn't have worked? He said he's a worshiper of God, and he must be. Continue in verse 32. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man been born blind. Here it is. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You say I'm a disciple of Moses because you doesn't know where he comes from. It's right in front of your eyes. This is a work of God. He is from God. See the man's testimony and his confession continually to be strengthened. And in verse 34, they implement verse 22. That's why it's so important to the context that if anyone's confessed Jesus to be Christ, he was to be cast out of the synagogue. In verse 34, we see this put into practice. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Remember what the disciples said? They asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is, this is their culture. He said, no, man, you were born blind. You were born in utter sin. You are in utter sin. And you would teach us, disciples of Moses, the keepers of the law, and they cast him out. See the confessions. The man, I don't know who he is. I think it's pretty clear he's from God. <laughs> but all I know is that though I was blind, now I see. The Jews, the Pharisees, were disciples of Moses. We deny Jesus. See the confessions. We finish up right here. In the last little bit where the real meat comes in. The answer to the question posed in the see the confusion part. Who is this man Jesus? It starts to really take full effect in verse 35. See the truth. Everybody say it with me. See the truth. 
That's my prayer for you this morning. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Because the Son of Man in the Gospel of John takes on the role of one who reveals. It is the perfect revelation, the one who reveals God. And by saying, do you believe, Jesus has completely changed the question from the beginning. He's not saying, all right, are, are we talking about physical kind of stuff here? No, this is a spiritual question. Do you believe, and do you believe in the one who reveals God? Okay. 36, he answered, the man, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, not with your physical eyes. Again, this now is a question he's asking. It's a spiritual question. Do you believe? He's not saying you have seen him with your physical eyes now that you have been healed. He's saying through your confession, through your belief, through your, dare I say, faith, he said you have seen him. And guess who it is? It is he who is speaking to you. Jesus comes and answers the question that has been basked in the sea, the confusion. Who is this man, Jesus? He's got to be a sinner. He, he heals on the Sabbath. Nah, but how, how can he be a sinner if he does such signs? And the man, he's like, oh, maybe he's a prophet. Well, then there's this, this full denial. He can't be the Christ. He can't be that. And then we get into the confessions. The man's like, I, I don't know who he is, but, but I think he's from God because he's doing this type of sign. And, and the, the Pharisees are like, nah, he can't be from God. He's a sinner he's he's healing on the sabbath and jesus comes in he says man guess who it is i'm the son of man and the son of man is the one who perfectly reveals god john has already been laying this groundwork all the way up until chapter nine but man is so good in john chapter one i'm not going to have you turn there because man we would be there for the next year and a half because it's so rich but just listen to it it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him there was not anything made apart from him in him was life I've recorded these signs so that you may believe in Jesus and believe in him, you may have life in his name. In him was life, and the light was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Skip on down. We see that the, the word has come in the flesh. He came to his own people, but his own people did not know him. They did not recognize him. They did not accept him. You jump down into verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. You go on to verse 18. He says, No one has seen God, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. Jesus, what he's saying here is the Son of Man. He's saying, I'm the perfect revelation of the Father. I am the word who has been made flesh flesh i am the god man i am fully god and fully man and through me coming from heaven being sent from the father i have come and i am living among you i am dwelling among you no one has seen god except me and i am here to make god known to you who am i who is jesus i am the son of man i am the word made flesh Woo! come on people that is good that is good who is this Jesus? Man, he's the one who reveals the Father to us. 
No one has seen God except the only begotten God, the Son. He has made him known. Do you see him? Have you seen him? Jesus asked the man, have you believed? He said, verse 38. And he, verse 38. He said, this is the man, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And the work of God has now been complete. You see, in John chapter 6, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, the people are coming back and they ask Jesus, Jesus, how do we know we are doing the works of God? You know what he says? Believe in the one who has been sent. You see, this whole time we've been thinking the work of God was that he healed the man of his spiritual, his physical blindness. No, 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 no. You see, this man was born blind so that the works of God may be seen in him and not the work of God that he went from physically blind to physically being able to see. But no, the work of God has worked in him because Christ reveals the Father to him. He places his faith in him and he is no longer spiritually blind, but he spiritually sees that is the work of God. And in this, the fifth sign is complete. Who is Jesus? He's the revelation of the Father who has come to make Him known. He is the God-man. He is the Son of Man. The work of God is completed in His life. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. That don't make a lot of sense. Well, thankfully, verses 40 and 41 help us. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to him, If, they, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He says, Jesus said, for judgment I came to the world that those who are blind may see and those who see may be blind. Here's the thing about light. It either helps you see or it blinds you because it's so piercing. You look at the sun, the sun helps us see, but you look directly at the sun, you're going to become blind. Jesus is saying the same effect happens with me as I come and reveal the Father. If you are blind and you recognize that you are spiritually blind apart from me, but you allow my light to give you sight. You allow my light to reveal the Father to you. You will go from blind to being able to see. But if you claim that you can see in a light that is apart from me, if you claim that you can see God in a way that is, that is separate from the light that I give you, you are actually blind. That light then becomes piercingly blind to you and this is where the Pharisees are if you are blind you have no guilt but now that you say we see apart from me though we are disciples of Moses we're not disciples of Jesus your guilt remains see this is the irony of this narrative is the one born blind in the end sees because at the beginning of his confession in verse 25, he no longer is considered the man born blind because from that moment, his spiritual sight starts to come into focus. And he's no longer the blind man, he's just the man. But the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, the disciples of Moses who claim to see because they do not see with the light that Jesus gives them, they in fact are blind. They are spiritually blind. See the truth. 
See the truth. See the truth. So what's the point? What does this actually teach us? It's very simple. Jesus came as the light of the world. We saw that in verse 5. Jesus came as the light of the world to illuminate our spiritual blindness caused by sin. In our sin, you are blind. I am blind. We are all blind. But Jesus, I am the light of the world. Look all the way back in verse 5. Man, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus came as the light of the world, the Son of Man, to illuminate our condition of sinfulness, but also to point us to the truth that, man, He has taken care of it on the cross and in the grave. He has died in your place. He has died in my place, but He did not stay there because He is the God-man. Three days later, He resurrected from the grave. In two weeks, we're about to celebrate it. Jesus came as the light of the world to illuminate our spiritual blindness. And if you have not placed your faith and trust in Him, you are spiritually blind today. And don't let that fool you because you can walk in darkness. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. You get up in the middle of the night, you thirsty, so you want to walk into the kitchen and get you a glass of water. I guarantee you half of y'all don't even have to turn on a light. Y'all get up, y'all know exactly where to go. Oh, there's a clothes basket right there, don't want to hit it. Oh, there's a dresser right there, don't want to hit it. Oh, the couch is right there, I don't want to hit it. So you can maneuver through your house, not even turning on a light, pitch black, and you can get to where you want to go, get that sip of water, and go back. This is where the Pharisees are. They're able to get through life, but they're walking in darkness because they're trying to see apart from the light that Christ gives them. Do not confuse because you just get to do a lot of spiritual things that you have spiritual sight. If you seek to see apart from Christ, you are blind. You are blind today. But Jesus has come as the light of the world to illuminate that, to light it up. To give you the opportunity to see. So what do you do? Let the work of God be done in you. See Jesus with faith and be healed. It's very simple. It's very simple. See Jesus with faith. Do you believe? He's not like, do you see me? He's not saying, do you see me physically? He's saying, do you see me spiritually? Do you see me with eyes of faith? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if you are blind today, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is the perfect revelation of our God. He has come to make Him known. See Him with faith and be healed. The question of this narrative is the same question of the entire gospel. It's the same question of the entire Bible. It is the most important question you will answer as you live on this earth. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Don't be confused. But listen to his testimony. 
See Jesus with faith and be healed. Brothers and sisters, answer that question well. Answer it in faith. Let's pray. Father, you're good. You're so good. That while we were yet still sinners, not only sent your son, but that your son, your, your son gave his life for, for us. We were still sinners, Christ dying for us. That while we are still spiritually blind, you have sent your son to illuminate darkness of our hearts and minds to give us the opportunity to see only if we would respond in repentance and faith. Lord, give us the eyes of faith to see your Son and by seeing your Son, as John 5 says, we see you. May we answer that question well for that person in this room today who has never answered that question well. They've never placed their faith. They've never said Jesus is Lord. Give them the eyes of faith today. Allow Lord, your light is the light of the world to illuminate their condition. They are in need of you. They are in need of the work of God to be done in their life. Give them the eyes of faith to see. May we not walk out of here spiritually blind. May we walk out of here looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Praise you for the work that you do in us. Lord, may your word not return void, but may it be conforming to us, and may it be honoring and glorifying to you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.